Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson. I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news. Elixir 111.1 was released recently. It has a couple of bug fixes, so check out more specifics in the show notes. Phoenix Live Dashboard version 0.3.0 was released. And Jose Valim shared uh, a Twitter thread discussing some of these enhancements. And it's, it's worth seeing the Twitter thread because he includes a series of pictures, like screenshots to kind of show it and highlight what's unique. Some of the improvements are, it's adding ecto stats, and it shows relevant statistics from your database, such as vacuum stats, index usage, long queries, and such. Also, if you enable the colon allow destructive actions option, you can now simulate failures by killing processes using the dashboard. Previously, this was only something you might do through Observer, uh, which is a great way to demonstrate the functionality and and features of the beam. But now this is built into the dashboard. So you can kind of highlight all of that in one place. And finally, it adds official support for custom pages. So this is using a new API they're calling Page Builder. So you're able to build like a custom page that's specific to your application and what's interesting for your system and be able to show that in the dashboard itself. So there are several different links to follow up on and check that out in the show notes. I'm totally going to use that. Yeah, totally going to use that. Also, kind of excited that I can be my own chaos monkey now and destroy processes. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Let's just see what happens. Uh, also in the uh, community, we got some project updates. Um, we have the Ash framework, uh, has a slew of updates out there. Uh, we talked about Ecto Commons before, so uh, check that one out. Ecto Commons is a collection of Ecto uh, validators, like change set validators. That has that sees some updates. And also Oban. Uh, all these are minor updates, but it's good to see activity out in the community, so I want to give it a mention here. That's it for the news. Do you know something that we don't know and would like it to be included in our new segment? Tweet us at Thinking Elixir and let us know. Today, I am pleased to be joined by Melada Mayakova. So thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So I'm really excited because I saw what she was doing online. So she's doing some really cool stuff with Live View and graphics and image generation. I saw this stuff and she was blogging about it. It's like, wow, that is really cool. That's not something I see very often. And I was really excited to have her come on because as I learned, she's even more interesting than I thought when I first saw what she was doing. So thank you for coming and welcome. One of the things I'd love for you to just start with is just kind of tell us about yourself, where you live and what kind of work you do. Uh, Hi, so I live in Czech Republic. I live in Prague and now I work as Elixir developer, but it isn't for a long time because before that I did graphics and I did websites and different stuff. So I was surprised to hear you just mention that you're now doing Elixir development. How long have you been doing Elixir work? I started learning Elixir in February last year, 2019, which is, I exactly remember that. And I got a job in the spring of this year. So since spring, I'm working. You came out of the graphics design background. Did you have like a formal art training or, you know, what was that like? Actually, I studied architecture. So I have some kind of this training, like we had some drawing classes and we learned about colors and compositions and stuff like that. So I have some training, but actually 
already at school I was always kind of in, more interested in computer stuff. Like I liked classes where we did some AutoCAD design or CAD systems or some rendering and things like that. One of the other things I, I really enjoyed about your blog was where you had this discussion about this idea of uh, logical-minded people and artistic-minded people. I kind of have a similar background, just that my father was very interested in art, art history. Art was a big part of our life at home. I started actually my, you know, going to school thinking I was maybe going to be a graphic designer or working with 3D animations or something like that. I also have seen that difference where, you know, there are people kind of consider themselves artistic or they consider themselves logical. And kind of where do you see yourself and how do you feel about that? I think I'm both, but I've always seen this division that you can be either artistic or logical. So, and I always liked like drawing and mathematics. So I always thought I'm a bit weird. But uh, it was just like that. So well, that's great because one of the things I've noticed among a lot of developers that I've worked with over the years is they often have other creative outlets. Where I will know guys who uh, they sing in choirs or they work with wood, you know, carpentry. Uh, they they find other ways to express creativity as well. Yeah, exactly. I also now I see that there are a lot of these people who have. A technical job and outside this job they are doing something creative like the woodworking or stuff like that so I think it's not nice to put people into these boxes and to say that someone has talent for something so he certainly cannot have talents for something else I think people should try to do both like have some balance in it well, it's funny that you that you say that, like, yeah, that sometimes people are put into boxes. Um, you know, you're either logical or you're artistic. Similarly, like, I I worked at a business job. I did businessy kind of things, and I found that programming, even though it's highly technical, I found that programming was my artistic outlet. At least for a period of time, it was for me because it was a blank canvas for me to create something out of. And now. Uh, yeah, I guess it all depends on what you're doing with that with programming. But now I, I kind of see it as my my artistic outlet. Now, there's definitely more artistic things to do, <laughs> like like actual you know, like physical art. <laughs> but do you do you think that that programming has a has some elements of creativity and artistic outlets there? Yes, it actually surprised me because, for example, the when I see nice elixir code. It really looks aesthetical to me and elegant. So, yeah, it's weird to see some something like visually nice in a code, but I really see it that way. Or when you write a nice documentation and, and things like that. So I've always thought that programming is like some cold job with no nothing nice, but it's not like that. And have you found any areas where you've, like as you're writing code that you found any kind of creative expression in that? Oh, for example, in naming functions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I know like like given a any particular problem, there's often multiple ways we can solve it. In this, I think I like 
perfectioning things, like when you start with something and then remove things that are not needed and make it as simple as possible. And in this achieve some like simple beauty or something like that. ASCII art in uh, in documentation is always a creative outlet. <laughs> this crafting a story of how we arrived at this this really bad <laughs> this really bad piece of code here. You know, here be dragons do not enter without <laughs> without armor. So I would love to hear how you first came to Elixir. What was that like? I think the first was a few years ago when I saw some Erlang code, and at the time I thought. Yeah, it's nice. It's understandable. But I didn't have any courage to try programming. So I just forgot about it. And then again, uh, I saw this Elixir code. Actually, it was a video with Jose Valem doing live coding of Advent of Code. And I saw this video and I remember that I didn't understand almost anything of it but it just was interesting and i thought to myself that i want to be able to do this as well so then i started to learn elixir have you worked with other programming languages before jumping in with elixir no i only tried to learn some javascript several years ago but uh it didn't went very well what i love about this is Uh, In the Elixir community, we often talk about how most of the people who come to Elixir are coming from another language. They're coming from Ruby or Java or something. And with that, they're coming with all these other ideas about what it's like to write code. Like I'm using object-oriented stuff. and, And we often wonder, it's like, what would it be like to learn Elixir as your first language? So what was that like for you where you're like, you're learning how to program using Elixir? Well, if you're learning it as a first language, you don't realize if it's object-oriented or functional. You just learn it, so you see no problem in that. But actually, from my from my brief experience with JavaScript, I'd say it this was easier. I think this functional approach is more intuitive, or at least for me. And I also think that uh, I didn't have to unlearn anything. So maybe it was even easier for me than for someone experienced. Are there any particular resources you found very helpful for learning it? Because I know a lot of the books that are out there aren't really geared towards, here's how you program and do it with Elixir. So what, did you, what, did, what was helpful for you? At first, I've read a Getting Started Guide on elixirlang.org. I've read about all the basic stuff because I didn't know anything at the time. So I've learned about tuples and maps and basic things like that. And uh, I read a few books, which I actually didn't read like the whole book, but I read a part of Elixir in Action and I read uh, Programming Elixir and that was basically all I read. And then I started to write some simple code. And when you first started writing code, did you start with something like Phoenix, where it was a web page? Or did you start with something even simpler? I started doing advent of code puzzles. So it was just simple programming. Then after a few weeks of 
doing these puzzles and learning some stuff, then LiveView came out. So it inspired me to try something with LiveView and then I moved to Phoenix. So now that we've talked about just kind of your introduction to programming, I would like to come back to art a little bit before we combine the two. I am curious as to when you say you, you studied in architecture, did you actually work in that field for some time? Just for a very brief time. Did you realize that you didn't want to keep going in that direction or what happened? I think it wasn't really exactly a field of work for me. And also it was very hard to get a job. Then I found a job in graphics and marketing departments. So I moved into another direction. With some of those graphics, one of the things I saw that you did, which I thought was just fun, you created an Android WhatsApp sticker set of these cute little hippos. And you said, I couldn't find any hippo stickers for WhatsApp, so I had to make some. To me, that feels like you're still having to dig into a lot of tech stuff just to build a plugin like that. Is that right? Or is it, is it all just graphics? Or, or is there like you have to package it up somehow? It was mostly graphics because uh, for this WhatsApp stickers, you can download like a template where you just modify the pictures and um, the name and the description. So. I just had to download Android Studio and learn how to work with it. But there was actually no programming. It was just graphics and then upload it to Google Play. So then you started playing with LiveView. It came out and you said, oh, let me see what I can do with LiveView. And that's when you started, at least from what I saw when, when you were sharing on Twitter, is you started working with generative art. What can you tell us about what that is? I would say that it is art where programming is used as a tool, where you use some algorithms and you also use a lot of randomness. So actually the output isn't exactly known before as you would think with computers, but it's generated during the process. So that's what's interesting about it. Nice. And you shared a live view app that you deployed to Heroku that generates some graphics. What can you tell us about that? Simply said, it's an application that generates colorful circles where you can select some properties, select the colors you want to use, and then it generates circles using random colors from this range. And also you can export the final image as JPEG and you can save it and probably use it as a wallpaper. What I loved is it just seems like as you were going through this discovery of programming, you were incorporating something that was interesting to you, you know, the visual aspect of it. Uh, you know, I'm playing with opacities and random, and, and you started getting into things like uh, Poisson algorithms. Did I understand that right? Yes, you are right. Uh, since I discovered the programming immediately, it was so like a new tool for me, which I could use for my graphics. When I was like learning something and I wanted to try it somehow, the only idea I always got was let's try some colors or let's try to put some numbers how how they look when they are colors or let's use it for opacity or hue. So probably it's just normal for me. One of the things I would love to hear is what was your experience like coming to live view as you know, you're coming as a very new developer to Elixir. And now here's LiveView. What was that like? It was just easy and natural because 
it uh, renders the output into HTML, which was what I've already known because I did websites. So it was. I was just happy that the, and I now I have this great tool where when I can control some graphical output like that. One of the things that I uh, enjoyed seeing on your blog was where you talked about the idea of embracing the mistakes. You showed like, hey, I set out to do something with SVGs and there was a bug and it kind of came out funny. And then you're like, hey, that's interesting. Let me, let me play with that. Oh, actually, I think it's very interesting and an inspiring aspect of this generative art because you can make some really big mistakes. Like uh, you can have some value totally out of range and you can find something new which is something you would never do in normal art when you sometimes you think you are really creative and really experimenting, but actually you're still like limited by some things. Like if you paint pink painting, you don't just say, oh, let's give a black splash into it because you kind of think maybe I would ruin it. So I will try something not so extravagant, but in programming, you just really make a mistake and suddenly you think, wow, it's really great. I would never thought of that. I wish more of my bugs were like that. Like when I write a bug and it's like, I wish it was like, oh, that, that's actually beautiful. I'll, I'll I keep that all that. the time. It's, yeah, they're features, not bugs. Actually, sometimes I save these bug pictures just for a future inspiration. <laughs> so I would love to hear anything you can share about how you've now ended up coming into having an Elixir job? Well, actually, <laughs> maybe it's a funny story. I think the first big step was I created this little application like game called Hippogame. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Actually, Chris McCord showed this at his conference in Prague that I met some people and these people have seen it and then I got a job offer and actually they said to me that I have no experience and I'm total beginner. But since Chris showed my code at the conference, they they will give me opportunity and try if I can work for them. Awesome. All right. I found your, I found your uh, GitHub repo for that. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. So there's another reason to uh, create fun open source things and share them like, hey, Chris McCord just like, hey, check out this little hippo game, you know, and boom, job. <laughs> I'm curious about any thoughts that you may have on how we can be more inclusive in the Elixir community to bringing more people into it. People maybe who are completely new to programming like yourself. What do you think we can do that's uh, to be more welcoming? I think that Elixir would be great as a first language. So I think it would be nice to study it at school or to, to teach it at schools. So maybe some volunteers or some, someone should, should go to school and offer that they will teach or something like that. Because otherwise, it's, I think the community is very friendly, so there's no problem about this. I just think that people really don't, don't know about Elixir very much because at school they teach Java and Python and things like that. And but I think Elixir would be much better. Are there any other projects that you're kind of currently playing with, uh, exploring some of these visual uh, generative designs or anything else like that? 
I'm exploring nerves a bit at the moment. And also I'm like continuing with my generative art and I would like to create something more maybe interactive or somehow combine it with real painting, like print it on canvas and then paint over it or something like that. So we'll see. That sounds fun. So I guess uh, a closing thought that I have is the thing I find in common with visual arts like painting, drawing, and photography and the technical world of programming is that in both cases, the creator is taking an idea that doesn't exist in the world and they're making it real, making it something that people can see and possibly interact with, bringing an idea from the mind into something that can impact and change people's lives. The main difference is just the medium that we choose to use, but it's all creation. And that's one of the things I've found for myself is just I've enjoyed the creative act of having an idea and saying, let me see if I can actually make that happen. You know, I, I come from a, having an artistic kind of background in, at home and some education with it. And I still found a, a source of creative outlet with that, like as, as David had mentioned as well. If you could reach out to others who are interested in art and programming with any kind of words of encouragement, what would you tell them? I'd tell them if they're interested in something, if they have some idea, just go and try it and explore it and learn it and create something and see see what happens, see where it leads. Well, Milada, I find it in, inspiring to see you continue to express your creativity and your artistry and you're using Elixir to do it. I think it's awesome. I hope you keep it up and I look forward to seeing what else you create. Thank you. Now, if people want to follow you online or see what you're doing, uh, what's the best way to do that? I think the best way is to follow me on Twitter or they can message me there or tweet at me. Well, thank you for sharing your code and your process and blogging about it and showing some of these fun designs and things that you've been doing. Uh, I just appreciate that you've been uh, open and, and willing to come and talk with us about it. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir.